Amen. First John 1. Let's start in verse 4. It says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Maybe, I'm not saying this in any critical way, but maybe joy has not been just uh, a top priority in your life. Maybe you even haven't thought of it for a while and thought it's, it's all right. I don't, I don't uh, really think it's that important for me. I hope I can change your mind. God says, I want your joy to be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. We lie and do not the truth. You got to do more than just believe the truth. You got to do the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Amen. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all sin unrighteousness. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. A lot of important things we preach about and talk about, but God, more than anything, wants to deal with the main issue in our lives, and that's getting sin out of the way. Hallelujah. Before we just start talking about that, let's back up a little bit. This morning we talked about joy, the importance of joy in our lives. And tonight we want to talk about the specific ways that the enemy tries to steal that strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Tries to rob you of having a a life that you can enjoy the blessings of God in it. Very subtly that you can live a joyless life and not even realize that you're living beneath the means of what God has paid for you to have. I wonder if you could be very honest and take some time and consider what steals your joy. What is it in your life that robs you of the joy that belongs to you? And the question is, why... why, uh, Why do you let it? Why is it that that can happen? You need to look at these things and recognize it because it's not certainly something uh, is going on that that we need to to consider that, that the devil has tried to take what he doesn't have any right to take. Like we said, he didn't give it. He can't take it. What ruins your day? What ruins your day? I thought about this. Uh... This afternoon, I just kind of trying to think about ways to bring this to you and have you understand, uh, look a little closer at, at, at the joy that is in your life. And one way I, maybe I could ask you is, what, what could happen to, to just ruin your day? I hope today your attitude is that there's nothing. The devil can't ruin my day. God's given me a blessed day. That circumstances and situations, what we're trying to point to you and say, that should not rule your attitude. Say, well, if somebody says something mean to me, do they have the power over you to change your attitude? 
Have you allowed circumstances? Have you allowed people and their bad attitudes to affect your attitude? When somebody has that kind of power over you, I'm telling you, you need to let Jesus take control of your life. You can't allow somebody to take away what God has given you. If I allow you to rob me of my joy, that means my joy is settled in what you think of me rather than what God thinks of me. I may be disappointed that you're not my friend. I may, it may cause me uh, to, to feel some emotional pain. I'm not saying that's just not an issue, but, but you can't ruin my life. You can't, can't ruin my day. You don't have that power over me, and you shouldn't have that. Somebody shouldn't have that over you. When somebody knows, hey, I'm, I'm living for God and I'm, I'm, I'm trusting in Him and, and I'm doing all that I do to please God and your life is not set out to please somebody else, then they can't rob you of joy. Amen. Well, before we get into that, let's go back to our text. When you make a decision, a choice to transgress God's will, When God says, this is what my will is for your life, and somehow temptation has lied to you, you know the devil's a liar. He tells you that somehow he's got better for you, and you choose to walk outside the path of God's will. You've made a real choice to lose the fellowship that is in the light. You walk in darkness. You can't experience the joy of the Lord. Oh, you can have what we told you this morning, the pleasures of sin for a season, but real joy. Real peace and satisfaction in your spirit. Amen. You've chose to give that up because you've walked away from the the source of joy. Real joy is having walking in the light. Real joy is that fellowship that you have with God. That you know, hallelujah, maybe it's it's not going to be easy. Maybe it might not be so convenient. You're walking a narrow path. But the Bible says few find that path because they're not looking for for real joy. They're looking for an easy way. And they're paying dearly for it. Sin is not God's best will for you. I I don't know how I could explain it any different, any better to anyone that God's got better for you than that. It's not just a matter of you're bad and it's bad. It's a matter of robbing you of a place where you can walk with God and have satisfaction and fulfillment and, and joy unspeakable and full of glory. Because in that sin and in, in your transgression, there's going to be the same trials outside of church. There's going to be the same same. There's going to be hypocrites in the bar the same way they're in church. They're going to be at your job. Amen. And you're going to have to deal with disappointments. You can look around church and say people are really going through it. I've looked around the world and people are going through it. But I want to go through it with God. I want to have a friend like Jesus. Amen. I want to know that he's got a plan in it all. And it's not God's anger, God's wrath, God's judgment in me. Say, well, I had problems outside of church and I have problems inside of church. Yeah, but you know what? Inside of church, you've got the Lord working some things in you. Outside the will of God, when you're not walking in the light, you don't have fellowship with God. All you know is God's not happy. God's angry. God wants me. Oh, I hope I don't die lost. Amen. There's no peace in that. There's no joy. Sin is going to steal joy from you because it breaks that fellowship. 
God loves you. A lot of folks say, well, you know, God loves me unconditionally. It doesn't really matter what I'm living. There's a difference that people just don't get. Loving somebody doesn't mean that God's approving and walking and being a friend. Amen. He wants to be your friend. But to enjoy a right relationship, you know, they talk about things that need to be settled. Do you ever get into a, a, a conversation and maybe somebody's done, done you wrong and maybe there's just situations that have not been reconciled and, and, uh, but now you're, you're standing uh, next to them in line somewhere. Maybe you, you've gotten together with them and you're trying to talk, but it's very awkward. They talk about the elephant that's in the room. You know, the, 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 the situation that should be addressed, but nobody, everybody's dancing around it, and it feels very uncomfortable. That's a life of someone who's outside the will of God. There's no peace. There's no joy. They're, they're outside of a, uh, of a relationship that is right. There's an elephant in the room with sin. You might pray, oh, God, please get me through this. Please uh, meet this need. Please don't let it be cancer. Please just, just don't let me die in this car wreck. And please help me through this day. And, and you may talk to God all day, but there's an elephant in the room. There's a, an awkwardness that, that you're asking God to, to, to protect you and provide for you and, and, and keep the consequences of your sin another step away from you. But, but to really have joy to know that everything is right. And if the worst could happen, you still got a home. Amen with Jesus in heaven. You can't experience joy when you've got fear. Fear of God and fear of... I know there's a healthy fear of God, but you know, fear of His wrath, fear of His judgment. You, You can't have joy when you know that God's not pleased with your life. God gives you this His Word because He wants you to that your joy would be full. He's not looking for his children to be living. And, and the devil tries to tell you and tempt you and, and act like, oh, you're missing out and the world's got so. But you, you trade off like Judas. You trade off a relationship with the Lord. You trade off your joy. I think Judas was, was satisfied with his, his uh, silver coins? Of course not. We talked about how people load their lives and, and the, 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 the depression that leads people to such utter hopelessness to cause them to consider suicide. And, and this is what Judas lived because he sold out his walk with God and he knew that, that he had made a bad, a bad choice. People are not happy. They, it, you, you need to, to recognize you've got something. When you've got the Holy Ghost, when you've got God... Uh, in you and you're living with him. You've got something this world needs. They can flaunt at your job and they can act like they, they, they don't have any rules and they don't have any boundaries and, and they're free. No, no, no. There's bondage in sin. There's bondage that's in their hearts and in their minds. Amen. The fears of, uh, of so many that have mocked and ridiculed and walked away from, from the house of God and the, the power of God and, and, and come around and say, you know what? I've, I've lived nights of horror thinking, what if Jesus comes tonight? But oh, they don't tell you that when they're running the other way. The sins that we see, we talked about this morning and, and, and just feel tonight as well. Those, uh, and, and your job living just loose and 
filthy lifestyles. People that mock and ridicule the things of God and, and celebrate perversion, celebrate the, the, the twisted uh, attitudes of, of people today. They have no respect for the, for the, the lines that God has drawn. And, and so confused, I, I feel like people just don't realize that, that, that they have been lied to by the devil. They, are, they have not, they're not walking in joy. They're not walking in, in, in the peace of God. Don't, don't kid yourself. Don't, don't look at sin, those that you work with, and, and, and think they're telling you the whole story of just how happy they are. I'm going to tell you something. You, you, you may play church and then walk away and say, well, I just didn't really have a whole lot of victory and happiness. You may, you may go through your your just play pretend prayers, not really humble yourself and come to an altar and let God fill you. You may uh, try to look like a Christian and say, well, I found no joy in that. There is no joy in the life of a hypocrite. But when you experience what the Holy Ghost really has for you, when you just give it all over to God and say, I surrender all, Lord, you mold me and you shape me. You repent of your sins and quit playing church. There is joy unspeakable and full of glory. But the devil wants to steal your joy. Don't tell me. I've, I've been in this world. I've been down the road. I, I know what this world has to offer. And, and it is empty. It is darkness. Amen. It is vanity. God gives us an abundant life. Sin will rob you of your joy. You play with sin. You play with sin. You, you know right well you you're deal now with condemnation. You deal with guilt, with shame. You try to push it off. You try to sear your conscience. But still, you will not find joy in sin. The devil is stealing the blessed life of a child of God from you. Turn with me to John now, the Gospel of John. Hallelujah. John 15. Hallelujah. Oh, I hope somebody gets a hold of this. I hope somebody really considers your state of joy in your life. John 15, verse 8 says, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so I love you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. To be joyful, full of joy, it's God's will. I think I've got some in there somewhere. No, God wants it to be filled up. Amen. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. Amen. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard of my father i've made known unto you ye have not chosen me but i have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you shall ask of the father in my name he may give it these things i command you that you love one another you can't get away from the idea that as a child of god joy being full in your life 
is going to be dependent on your attitude of service. My first of three points is that sin is going to rob you of joy. Number two, a self-centered attitude. No matter how you dress, no matter what you believe, it's going to rob you of joy. Fullness of joy is going to be in an attitude of giving, of loving, of serving. What I see in this world so often, and many times in church, people are more concerned what they're getting than what they're giving. And you are being stolen from. You're not, oh, it's nice to hear how much you appreciate. Nice to get from other people. And all your, your concentration is how people treat you and how people look at you and how people talk to you. And never once does it, hey, wait a minute, I want to bless somebody. I want to help somebody. I want to be a blessing. You want to see the most blessed people, praise God. It's those that are givers, those that give of themselves, those that serve. Amen. Jesus said, you've seen that I have humbled myself, girded on a towel, washed your feet. Happy are ye when you do these things. Not come and saying, hey, give me, serve me, do for me. Amen. That You're being robbed. You've got to change your attitude what can I, to, to what can I bless? How, how can I bless? How can I love? How can I serve somebody else? When you start expecting that entitled welfare kind of attitude, says somebody should have done this for me and done, made me, pleased me in this way. And hey, you, you're not going to have healthy home. You're not going to have healthy relationships. You're not going to have a healthy experience with God. Self-centeredness is destructive. It's pride. Self-importance. I'm more important than anybody else's feelings. And I'm thinking more about how everything came across to me. How often I've seen that even it's, it's difficult. And I pray, I pray so much that I can be a blessing and, and strength. And we want to talk about this maybe a little bit more in this later. But praying so I just, oh, I just want to help somebody be saved. I just want to help somebody be blessed. I want to help somebody grow in God. Amen. And want to do it just to pray and God help me to, do, to tell them what they don't want to hear. The best way possible. Amen. It's not, it's not possible to really tell somebody about their flesh and have them say, oh, I really appreciate how you came across with that. You just say, uh, but, but you want to do the best you can. Amen. Amen. When you're preaching against sin, when you're preaching against flesh, when you're preaching against folks' pet sins, and, and, and they're always, you know, it, it's, it's a defense mechanism. People throw up that wall and start to attack. But we never, I, I often wonder, did you ever think in all your anger and all your, uh, sometimes even meanness, think that maybe you might be coming across in a way that is harsh or offensive in any way? You think maybe ever you, you would look back and say, oh, I wish I would have been a little more careful with my words. We all can do that. So if we all worry about ourselves and say, hey, I want to I, I somehow make sure my kindness is, is obvious. My care, amen, and, and my love, and try to encourage somebody, excel under the edifying of the church. Take everything that God has put in you and try to be a blessing with it. Try to be a, and, and, and hallelujah, Luke the seventh chapter, Luke seven. Well, I, 
I want to be a blessing, you say. Luke 17, 10. Luke 17, 10. Jesus said, So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. When you're a giver, that's where the blessing is. A taker, selfish, all you're thinking about, there's a lot of people that do a lot. Well, let's think about the Pharisees and the, those, they, you know, they, they gave a lot more than that widow woman, but they just did it because they wanted to be seen. They were takers, right? They were putting great big sacks of cash into the, into the offering, but they were taking They were doing it to get recognition. They weren't givers. They were hypocrites. The one that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, the one that goes and and blows his trumpet before he gives. He's a taker, not a giver. The one that stands on the street corner and makes sure everybody hears his eloquent prayers is a taker, not a giver. The one that disfigures his face and and tries to let everybody know how hard it is that they've been fasting for so long. They're a taker. They're trying to get recognition, trying to get reward from people. Amen. Jesus said, when you're done doing whatever you've done, do it for God. Do it and say, I've done, when I've given my all, I've just done what's required. That's what a Christian does. The attitude that says, I'm not looking for everybody to pat me on the back and tell me, God's got that covered. When you want to be a blessing, I understand. And and as a pastor, I feel like I pray, God, help me to, to, to not only model it, but to teach. You ought to be thankful. You ought to show appreciation when somebody does something kind for you. You ought to, you ought to be excited when somebody, and even if they do it so wrong, they, they, if they put in the heart to do something, you ought to try to bless them and appreciate that. Somebody makes you something that you don't really even like. It's not your favorite. You don't smirk and turn up your nose. You, you, you're kind. They, they were thinking of you. Hallelujah. But when all you do, and I realize that we are living in an unthankful generation, and people are are so entitled, like I said, they think you owe them. You just go ahead and do it for God, because that's what Christians do. You be a servant, because that's what servants do. And you say, oh, you know what, I'm so mad, I'm not going to do it anymore, because they didn't say thank you. You got your reward. You say, well, I didn't get anything. Well, that's the way it is when you try to please people for their recognition. Say, I I know when somebody doesn't appreciate you, but be kind because you're a Christian. And when you say, I'm not doing anything anymore because nobody, you know, and, and people will point at you and, and maybe they'll say, oh, you should have done it this way and you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, that's all right. You're doing all that you can. You try to be a servant and you, you fail and you stumble and you're doing the best you know to do. Don't let that tear you down. That's what Christians do. Amen. Just keep living for God and don't do it because of the recognition. Say, well, when I did it all and nobody even noticed. Nobody? 
Nobody important maybe to you? Jesus noticed. That's the most important. And you will in no wise lose your reward. Amen. He said, when you've done everything that you're supposed to do, the attitude at the end of the day is, well, that's just what Christians, that's what servants are for. Amen. I'm going to heaven. You're going to heaven. What kind of, what, what better can you get out of this deal? Amen. You're on your way to heaven. Hallelujah. You, you serve and give and love those that are takers, those that are looking for recognition. You remember in the book of Esther, Haman had everybody in town bowing the knee and worshiping this dude. One person said, I'm not bowing to any man, and it ruined his day. Because takers are not joyful people. Somebody just forgets to say the right thing or somehow they have a a look on their face and we're going to get to that in a little bit. And all of a sudden you think, oh, nobody appreciates me. You're a Christian. You're a giver. And that's where joy comes. It's not always easy. But keep washing feet. Keep loving people. Keep serving people. Amen. 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. I said sin is going to rob you. Selfishness, rather than being a servant, is going to rob you of joy. Sin, selfishness, my third point, I tried to find an S word, I couldn't do it. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. This is a biggie. I think they all really are. But comparing yourself... And, and the thing is, sometimes what we are comparing ourselves with is an is a incomplete picture. We don't know what people's lives are. We think we know what's going on in their minds. We think we know constantly thinking about what they're thinking about. You're not joyful. Worried about what somebody might be thinking about you. Brother Mike was talking about what we mentioned this morning about social media and and uh, unreal expectations that are set up. People that act like their attitude is just 100% all the time. And these are people whose marriages are, are, are disintegrating under the, the false act of them having everything together. Amen. The idea that the grass is always greener on the other side. You ever hear that before? Everybody's got it better than me because... You're looking at their vacation pictures, and you're looking at all, and, and your poor life. You, you've got to work, and you've got to deal with situations in your home, and everybody's got it better than you. And listen to me. You're comparing yourself to something you have no idea what you're talking about. Looking at people and sizing them up and thinking what they're, they might be thinking about you. and what they're, they're, You know, a lot of people aren't thinking about you. Amen. A lot of people aren't taking that time to really be uh, worried as much about you than what you think they are. That is right. 
And sometimes I've said it, I've used, it's interesting, I've read something recently, I, I've said years ago, how you might look and walk by somebody in church and think, oh, did you see the nasty look? I know what they were thinking about me, and, and they, they don't appreciate me, and they think I'm this and that, and, and they might have just been trying not to sneeze and getting past you really quickly. You know, they take that picture and put it up on the, on the front page of the newspaper. Anybody have newspapers anymore? You know what I mean. And, oh, look at that person. They're a, they're a devil. Because they just catch them at the right spot. You can freeze frame, you know, hours of video and get one picture and say, oh, look at them. They're a demon. They're thinking about killing babies. So, and, and we do that. We, we, we get around people and, you know, you have a hundred things on your mind and, and just you want to. You even want to be kind. You want to take some time. And, and, and we don't do as good as we'd like to be doing. Amen. I read a story here recently of a, of a woman. She was kind of a quirky, eccentric kind of person. And, and, and one of her friends was murdered. And, and everybody around her and even some of the reporters and some of the investigators saw how she acted. And she was, like I said, strange kind of quirky person. And they thought this is no way for somebody to act that lost a friend. So they started suspecting her. And then reporters came in and blew it up, you know, the fake news, right? And then all of a sudden everybody's like, man, I know she did it. And the news and people were reading the newspaper. She ended up being arrested for a murder because the way she looked wasn't somebody who was grieving. But she didn't grieve like other people grieved. And when you looked at the facts of the case, there was no possible way she was even in the area at the time. All the evidence pointed away from it, but her facial expressions when she talked about her friend were not what everybody else would expect how you should act. No, you can't just always read people the way you think you can. And so often our flesh and our minds get to, that's how that mind battle works, and it robs you of joy. You know exactly what somebody's thinking. You know all the bad things they think about you. And this has been one of the, one of the hardest things as a pastor that I possibly, people that you love, people that you pray for, families that you care about, people that all you want to do is see somebody saved. But they know because of how you look and, and, and what, oh, you've got all these ideas and things against me and the mind, the imaginations that need to be cast down. People that have just fallen away, just so hurt, so angry over, over something. I don't even know what it is sometimes. So sad. Because when you only want to see people saved, only want to see people blessed, and, and that mind game of what you really meant, what you're really thinking, what you, what you really think of me, what people think about you really is so unimportant when you're serving God. Let me say it again. What people think about you when you're serving God really isn't that important. Should you have good, solid friends and a pastor that can sharpen you and be accountable to and say, hey, check, keep a, keep a close eye on me, check my spirit, make sure if you see something in me, I want to know about it because I know, I tr- but that kind of trust, to be able to say, hey, are you sure everything's all right? You don't love me. You're against me. Oh, help us, Lord. These mind battles, I understand it. I don't take it personally. I'm not, uh, you know, I don't want to 
commit that offense that I'm trying to help you not commit. When somebody thinks that I'm thinking something, I'm, I understand the battle. I'm not taking, oh, now you think I'm a bad person. You think I'm a terrible preacher and you don't love me. That's not how I feel. I think, God help them. They're fighting a battle. And they need your joy. This idea that, you know, we've got it so rough and we've got it so bad and everything is so against us. And, and, and you know, we're going to go through some things, especially in this day we're living in. And we cannot let our sense of joy and contentment be based on what we think people think. We can't compare your home, your yeah, now I'm not talking about, hey, living right, doctrine, uh, holiness. It's just across the board. But there's so many different situations and circumstances and how you deal, even within a home. You know, how one child and uh, that was raised in the same home, another child, but the different dynamics of their personality and things that they're fighting against and, 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 and things they're up against in their minds and their, in their walk with God can be completely different. This idea that somehow, well, this is what happened with them. What about me? You know, that's what Peter said. Hey, what about, what about John over there? You tell me about him and then you talk. What does that have to do with you? You, you compare yourself even within the disciples. Peter, to compare yourself to John is not wise. That has nothing to do with you. Amen. When you measure your value, measure your worth by what other people, oh, they seem like they're so blessed. God, you don't love me as much as you love them. And you have no idea what they're in, doing, serving. You don't know anything about people really the way you think you do. And we let all that steal our joy. We let all that. Can I say it this way? You're, you're enjoying the blessings of a Christian life so much less. Because you get so concerned with how you compare to other people. How fair things are. How, how, how somebody else thinks about you. And I'll tell you what. God is good to me and it's not fair. <laughs> God has blessed me, and that is not fair. And, and I have some, some troubles every now and again, and a lot of them are my own dumb fault. And God's still good to me, and it's so unfair. And I can, you know, we, we can, we get ourselves so tangled up in, in oh, that this, this life has been so, so difficult for me. I understand that. I understand that. I, I, I believe that's biblical. But the idea that, uh, that this life ought to be convenient and everything ought to be fun and, and exciting and it's just a, a bunch of drama. It's not, sometimes it's just, it's just you and God loving life and getting through valleys. Amen? And you can have joy in the valley. He's the lily of the valley. You can have, you can have real peace in, in a time of storm. Do you understand? That's what we preach. Peace in a storm. Not peace because there's no storms. Right? Peace in a valley. Not a life that's exciting. We want, we, we want to say I can have joy when you change that person's attitude. 
when you get them to realize how awesome I am, and they stop looking at me the way they look at me, thinking what they're thinking about me. And, and, and if you give me what they have, and I can be blessed like they can, and comparing yourself to all these things that really should not have any bearing on your quality of life. No bearing at all. Because it has nothing to do with it. God, you remember the parables where God said, okay, I'm going to, you want to come in my kingdom? You want to work for me? You want to be a laborer in my kingdom? I'll give you a, a full day's wage, penny a day. That's not one of those copper zinc things that we throw out. Penny a day was a, a, a day's wages. A couple hours go by and there's people hanging around. It gets to be noontime. You want to work for me? I'll give you a penny a day. Come on, let's go work. Some people come in at the end of the day. Hey, come on, I'll give you a penny a day. Anybody want to talk about how unfair the boss is? I worked through the whole heat of the day, and they just got in at the end. The Lord said, I, I gave you what I said I'd give you, and what I do with my pennies is my business. You can, you can fight all day. Say, that's not fair. I'll never work for you again. You don't have to. There's going to be some things in life. God's going to do what he wants to do with your life and how it compares to the person sitting across from you does not matter. And they said, you know what? It's not fair. The Lord says, who are you to tell me what, what I do with my creation? I'm going to do what's right to you. And that's what we agreed to. Amen. God is good at what he does. And rather than get excited about, oh, you got in and you got a penny too. Oh, that's exciting. I, I, God gave me what he said and he gave, you're blessed. I'm excited for you. Oh, it's not fair. Why not be the one that's excited and has joy rather than be the one that's sitting around saying it's not fair, it's not right, and comparing yourself. James, the fifth chapter in closing. James 5. Hallelujah. I want to help you have joy. You get through this life and you're just not, not experiencing it. You're, you're missing out. You're missing out. James 5, verse 10 says, Take my brethren the prophets. You read your Bible, right? Read about these men's lives. How everybody loved them and it was just so easy because they were God's men and nobody could touch them because God just... just parted every problem out of their life. Hey, I saw see some Red Seas being parted, but I see some hard days too. A lot more hard days for the prophets. But look what it says. Take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. You're going to have to endure some things. Look what it says. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Because they're going to get their reward. They got through the trial with God. Kings on thrones had battles, had problems. Amen. But they, if you didn't do it with God, there's no joy. Take them for an example. For suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Hallelujah. God 
cares about you. And I cannot tell you that everything's just going to work out the way you want it to work out, but God's got a plan in it. And the best thing, the best blessing, is not a life without difficulty, but it's a life with Jesus, no matter what you're facing. Your trial shouldn't be able to rob you of joy. Your boss, your co-worker, your neighbor, your husband and wife shouldn't be able to rob you of joy, real joy. Amen. You ought to recognize that they don't have that power unless you give it to them. Unless what you're living is for their approval rather than God's. When you can live your life knowing, hey, I'm doing all I know to do in God. Your friends forsake you. But God is with you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Sister Katie, could you please come, please, to the platform. What steals your joy? What has the power? To just... Take control of your mind. Cause you to be suspicious. Cause you to be paranoid, fearful. Cause you to lose the peace of God in your life. What steals your joy? What has the power to bring that turmoil into your spirit? Why is it that important to you? You come to church and ought to be able to come into the presence of God, but something keeps you preoccupied worried suspicious of others and what they're thinking about you rather be able to come into the presence of God where there's fullness of joy what's got the power over you it's time to let those chains fall time to let that at an altar time to be more concerned with what God's doing in church than your neighbor time to be more concerned about what pleases God than what makes fickle individuals around you approve of your life. God's for you. Who can be against you? You don't need to let let the devil steal your joy anymore. time to be able to lay down some things selfishness sinfulness comparing ourselves and worrying about what other people are doing thinking has nothing to do with you has everything to do with them people going through things and they try to point their finger at you. They try to vent their frustrations on you. That doesn't have anything to do with you. You just keep loving God. You keep serving people. You keep loving people. And you keep loving the life that God's called you to. You do what God's called you to and not worry about what somebody else is called to do. You fulfill your place in God's kingdom. God will take care of the rest. Come on, let's find a place to pray. Oh, yes, I love you, Jesus.
fighting against the things that are trying to steal your joy. Get serious about this. Life is too short to be caught up in things that are robbing you of your joy. When God's got this great salvation for you, God's got something so good in this Holy Ghost experience. And if you're missing it, oh, you're being... You're being robbed. God, I'm asking you to help us. Help us to pinpoint the areas where things have become important to us that really are just distracting us from what's really important. Help us to pinpoint the areas where the enemy is trying to to steal our joy. Help us to overcome it. To repent of besetting sins to repent of self-centeredness, to repent of comparing ourselves and measuring ourselves against one another. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's all stand. God, thank you again for your presence in this house, for good, good church tonight. Bless your people. Lord, keep us safe. Watch over us. Lord, use us. Work through your people, God. Open doors that we can testify. Open doors that we can minister to others and be a blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. Remember to say happy birthday to Sister Carmen. Let Brother Tim Miller know you appreciate him being here. God bless you.